You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 495. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP495. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Well, hello, audience. Amy here, and we are going to continue today talking about communication. So if you tuned in last week, you heard me cover off nine different communication hacks that kind of were a miscellaneous bag of tools and tactics that you can employ in order to communicate a little bit more effectively. This week, I want to talk about controlling your tone of voice. Here's what I will tell you I have seen for years in my practice. And it has been that there have been people who tell me constantly, Amy, I did tell her that, or I have spoken up about it. And then I will ask, how did you speak up about it? And then they get a little sheepish and they kind of say, well, I I usually am pretty mean or I'm screaming and yelling or I'm making these passive aggressive, sharp biting comments. And my question is always, well, how would you respond to that sort of a delivery. Most of the time, we go into our defense mechanisms, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, when we feel an impending sense of threat. And that happens all the time when we are communicating with other people. There is a part of this that does feel counterintuitive because when we are engaging with someone and we feel an element of hostility or even blame, that they're blaming us for something, our instinct, our primitive human instinct is to defend, to defend ourselves. So that's why I get so irritated when people say, gosh, you're so defensive. I'm like, well, I feel fucking threatened. And I think that's what most people feel. I don't think that it's ever useful to tell somebody you seem really defensive. And it's like, well, you seem like you're throwing a lot of things to me that I need to defend. (laughs) So without getting all convoluted into that, I think that it's important for us to recognize that there's a piece of us that is going to want to fight or flee, run away. Sometimes we're caught off guard and we just freeze. Sometimes we fawn. We've talked about that a lot on the show, which is really synonymous now with people-pleasing. So the idea that you are feeling defensive or you do feel a sense of threat coming your way is not the problem. And it's not the problem that you have an instinct to defend yourself or to fight or to flee or to fawn. The problem happens when those tactics don't 
yield the results that you are looking for. A majority of the time when we are communicating, we are searching to be understood. And that is our major, major driver. And if we don't feel understood, it feels like a sense of threat. So we call in these natural defense mechanisms. For that reason, if you want to have really thoughtful, effective communication with someone, it's important that you A, recognize what your gut instinct is, and then B, learn how to override that when appropriate. Now, of course, there are defense mechanisms for a reason. There are times when we need to be in defense around ourselves. I'm talking about situations where you know that you screaming and yelling, you shutting down, you running away, not being able to control your tone of voice is actually wreaking havoc on relationships that you would like to see flourish. As the title suggests of this particular episode, we are going to be focusing today more on controlling your tone of voice. So for those of you who tend to be a bit of the chihuahua equivalent, uh, as opposed to a very stoic mastiff, this is going to be for you. Now, that does not mean that those of you out there who shut down or who run away or give the silent treatment won't have something to glean from this episode. There are a lot of tactics that everybody can employ in order to be heard. That's what we're looking for. We just want to be heard. We want to be understood. So let's start communicating in a way that sets us up for success. All right. So number one, and this is perhaps one of the most important and transformative, take deep breaths and count to five before responding. This one is so incredibly important because so much of the time we are listening to what somebody is saying, we're developing our retort and our defense in our head, and we're ready to litigate. Instead of thinking about how you could get your message across in a way that you can actually be heard, We go in trying to defend ourselves. And again, completely intuitive. Why wouldn't we? If we feel like somebody is blaming us or we feel wronged by someone, it is completely natural to want to defend. However, it usually doesn't yield the results that we're looking for. And I will say that a majority of these things that I'm going to share with you, you will have to notice what you do in the heat of the moment or in the middle of an altercation with somebody to examine where you need to start changing that behavior. A lot of times when we're learning personal development skills, we want it to just naturally come to us and we want to be able to easily hold our tongue or craft really articulate statements. And that's not usually the case. We oftentimes have to circle back and practice again or evaluate where we might have made a misstep or how we might be able to shift how we communicate. Now, you don't have to hold your breath or anything like that. I'm just talking about a pause. So you might be in the middle of a conversation with somebody, you're noticing that it's getting heated, and you notice that you're at that point where you're kind of cutting one another off, where you're not allowing each other to finish. So saying something like, please allow me to finish, I think that 
the things that are right. And then you can kind of go into the conversation. But stopping for a moment and taking a breath. If the other person is talking and you notice that you are starting to formulate all the things that you want to say, take a breath before you interrupt. And genuinely try to think about what that other person is sharing with you. One of the best sort of hacks that you can use, and I do this all the time, and it was to say, that is really understandable, or I can totally understand that perspective. And when you say understand, you are not saying, I agree with you, or I am complicit, or I'm on the same page. You are saying, I understand the place that you are coming from. Not necessarily that I agree, but I hear what you are saying. So if you can just give yourself that pause, take a deep breath, and then respond, which dovetails really lovely into number two, which is to speak slowly. Once we get amped up and we're like, well, well, and you did this, and well, I wouldn't have to do this if you weren't this way, and blah, 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 blah. We get going and the pace is incredibly rapid. So again, if you can breathe and then very slowly change the pace of the conversation. Speaking of defense mechanisms, we actually have mirror neurons in the brain that are helping us to mimic other folks that we're involved with. We also have something called emotional contagion where we can kind of catch the emotional current that somebody else is exhibiting. So what that means is it's very natural and normal for us to start speaking quickly if the other one is speaking quickly and starting to raise our voice if the other one is raising their voice. So you have to get used to changing the current. And part of that is recognizing what's actually happening in what I like to call the conversation container. Most of the time, we're not focusing on what's happening in this conversational setup. We're just thinking about litigating our case. We're just thinking about being right and proving our rightness. We're not looking at, does this container actually foster us communicating well together? Part of disrupting whatever pattern it is that you've gotten involved in is to start speaking slowly and giving that other person the platform to complete their sentence. Get used to not interrupting and asking somebody to allow you to finish. Please allow me to finish. Please allow me to finish. Take a deep breath and change the pace. Start speaking a little bit slower. Number three, acknowledge your emotional space and ask for what you need. If you get sideswiped by a boss who says, hey, I really need to talk to you about this. This is a really stressful situation. We need to talk right now. You can be honest about whatever headspace you're in. Of course, if it's a boss and there's a hierarchy, you might have to acquiesce. But you can always be honest about where you're at. So you could say, To be really candid with you, I'm still having a really rough go from the conversation that we had earlier or from the situation that unfurled earlier. Would it be possible for us to postpone this just for 30 minutes? I cannot express how 
unbelievably important it is for us to start understanding and owning where we are emotionally at that particular given time. Now, that boss may be like, sorry, (laughs) we still need to talk. But at least you've been clear about why it might not be the best time for you. Now, in other interpersonal relationships where there isn't necessarily a power dynamic like that, you can certainly say, listen, I am so exhausted from work. I feel like if we have this conversation right now, I would be doing you a disservice. I would probably take it out on you. (laughs) And I don't think that's fair. I think, again, you are addressing the conversational container. You're not talking about if you're right or wrong or if that's even a stupid thing to converse about. You are saying this is not going to foster a healthy connection between the two of us. I believe I mentioned this last week as well. Mr. Smith and I both work in helping professions and can be really draining if there's a full day of helping people wade through some really difficult waters. And the way that each of us come down from that or process that at the end of the day can be very different. He likes to really unplug, decompress, kind of disappear into his own mind. And I usually like to talk about everything and process it unless it's been extraordinarily draining. Most of the time, I do want to be verbal about it in some way. So we've had to develop a system between us where he gets really comfortable saying, hey, I would really like to hear that, but I don't have a lot of bandwidth right now. Or I think I've had too many words for the day. That's one of the phrases that he's he uses. And my job in those situations, when he's genuinely communicating with me about the space that he's in is to not get fucking offended by it. Like, whoa, why Why don't you, you never want to hear me, blah, blah, blah. If it's not something that is chronic and you're constantly being shut down, then let's give that person a little bit of grace because they are exercising bravery by saying, hey, here's the place I'm in. I don't know if I can continue with this conversation or I don't think I'm going to be amazing for you. That's another great way to phrase it or I don't think I'm going to be able to give this the attention it deserves. If things are getting really animated or really heated or you aren't feeling safe in some way, whether emotionally or physically, acknowledging that and asking for what you need by saying, hey, listen, I think things are getting a little bit heated. Why don't we take a bit of a break? Or I'm going to go hang out in the other room. Let's just put a pin in this so that we can speak to each other like we actually give a shit about one another. (laughs) Let's just take a little bit of time. Number four is a physical hack that you can use. And it is specifically if you feel as though you are going to run away. Like I cannot be with this difficult conversation. And you're getting incredibly anxious internally. Or... You are feeling so elevated and so dysregulated that you are starting to yell or scream. Essentially, what's happening is you are feeling such a sense of threat that we are wanting to run into fight, flight, freeze, fawn. So we need to catch that and recognize what's happening for ourselves. And then a way you can channel that anxious energy is by very silently and probably without the other person noticing, clenching 
and releasing your fists, like clenching your fists and or your entire body. Like if it's a situation where you just want to clench your just your legs, like if you're sitting at a table discussing something with someone, if you want to keep it a little bit more discreet, all you do is just clench a part of your body. It could be your shoulders. It could be your biceps. It could be your abs, your ass, whatever, your fists, and clench them. Try to hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and then release. The release part is incredibly important. So you can't just tighten yourself up. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> I'm cracking myself up. Wow. That's why That's why I have an explicit content writing, y'all. But you have to make sure that you sink into the release. That's the whole point of getting rid of that anxious and elevated energy. And again, if it's really heated, a great way to kind of control that tone of voice, control your delivery is to excuse yourself, go to the bathroom and do a silent scream, like, you know, clenching your entire body, holding that energy and then just letting it go, like releasing it, sinking into that release so that we can expel a little bit of that energy and go back and have a much more fruitful conversation where you can control your tone of voice. Number five, a phenomenal way to control your tone of voice or be really deliberate with how you show up in a conversation is to practice your phrases ahead of time. Now, of course, this is only helpful if you are able to get ahead of the conversation. I'm not talking about somebody confronting you or something that just randomly happens by the water cooler or a quick conversation with your kid or something like that. I'm talking about when you have a deliberate sit down, hey, we need to, we need to talk or we need to work through something where you actually know that the conversation is coming, it's on the horizon, and you can prepare for it. Last week, I gave you a ton of different one-liners that you can use, sort of like stock phrases from multiple situations that you can have sort of in your back pocket to call upon in these situations. Now, those are not going to come naturally. As we've been talking about, you will go into your natural response. Whatever you have responded like in the past, you will do that over and over again, unless we disrupt it. Part of it is the awareness around it. But now we have to substitute a new way of being, a new tone of voice, a new inflection, and new words that we are saying, how we're delivering that. But you have to think about what are the things that my partner always says? What are the things that my boss always says? What are the things that I'm always dealing with with my family? And develop phrases that you can use to respond in those situations. Some of my favorites are if somebody is getting really elevated with you and it's starting to feel like they're yelling and screaming. I have sort of a stock phrase of, I'm happy to continue this conversation, but not if you continue to speak to me in that way. If I am offended, having a phrase that says, to be honest with you, I find that fairly offensive. I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't talk about that in front of me. For anyone you don't agree with, just having the phrase of, you know what, I actually don't share that opinion, shutting it down. Or if you are not available, saying, you know what, I'm actually not available. I really appreciate you asking and I hope you understand. Boom, done. Having specific things that you can have at the ready 
if someone is always telling you that you're over emotional or you're too sensitive or you're having a stock phrase of, I really don't appreciate you dismissing my emotions. This is the piece that I cannot really do for you. You have to figure out when do I get derailed the most frequently? With whom? What do they usually say? What do I want to say in response? And then you actually have to rehearse. You have to get in front of that mirror and you have to create a new habit in the subconscious part of the mind. Otherwise, you're going to go back to doing what you've always done in the past. Number six is something that applies to more tenured relationships. This is not necessarily going to be if somebody says something offensive or if you just need to decline an invite. This is more about when you have a relationship with somebody, maybe it's an intimate partner, it could even be a child, but you develop some kind of code language between the two of you so that you don't go back into the patterns you don't want to repeat. Years ago, I had a client who developed a a little code with her son and they would say, I feel like you're you're hulking out a little bit. And that was their phrase, like hulking out, hulking out. And it was a little code phrase that they could use with one another to say, I think you're you're really responding out of anger instead of communicating really kindly and gracefully. I am a big fan of using words and phrases that have zero emotional charge. So some people might say, if if someone told me I was hulking out, I'd be like, fuck right, I'm hulking out, right? That may or may not work for you. But what if somebody were to say, you know what, the eagle flies at dawn. The eagle flies at dawn. Or woodchuck to gray squirrel. If you know that reference, you get 50 points. But something like that where it's not like you are behaving poorly or you're a volcano, you can certainly do that, but it has to be where both people aren't going to be triggered by using this new tool. It cannot be triggering. It has to be helpful in disrupting where you are currently. Mr. Smith and I have sort of a funny one that if the other person is a little snarky or a little bitey, we'll say, let's get you some food or let's get you fed. And that's code for the other person to know, yeah, you're coming off a bit prickly. And then you have the opportunity to go, oh my gosh. And we call it being snicky, like persnickety. (laughs) We have shortened it to snicky. I know, gross. I hear you throwing up. But we'll say, oh, I'm not being snicky oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I did not realize I was coming across that way. Or we've gotten really abreast at owning our current emotional state. Again, scene number three. And we'll say, yeah, gosh, I'm rough around the edges. Yeah, I do need to eat. Or I think what I really need is some alone time. But we've we've created this new way of being and we did not used to. We did not used to have that. We got into some explosions in our early, early years before we developed a new pattern of operating. And so it was like a completely new operating system. Number six, again, develop some sort of code with the other person. Now, it doesn't have to be verbal. It could be just making a timeout signal with your hands. You could use a stuffed animal or something like that. And it seems really silly right? It seems silly to develop these things, but I need to remind you that what you're doing currently is not working or you wouldn't be fucking listening to this. Even if it feels a little bit silly, does this relationship 
mean enough to you that you're willing to do something a little different or a little odd as opposed to the rigmarole that you're used to. Number seven, I've danced around this one a little bit, but shutting it down if it gets too heated and take time to go process alone. Don't take the bait. And what I mean by the bait, this goes back to sort of the conversation container. Most of the time, if you are at odds with somebody and you are not seeing things the same way, let's say it's your sister or a sibling, we want to keep fighting about who was right. No, we should not do that with mom's estate. No, we should do that with mom's estate or you're being so selfish or you always do this. And we're fighting back and forth about who's right. And if you take a stand and say, you know what, I think things have gotten a bit heated. Let's just put pause here for a second and let's revisit this in a little bit. It is likely that the other person doesn't want to stop. They will try to bait you in and go, oh, really? Okay, sure. So it's always about you. And they will do the jabs and they will do the things to try to incite you into continuing the conversation the way you have in the past. A lot of times family dynamics are this way. People fall into their roles. Intimate partnership, people fall into their roles. When you are in those situations, and I think this is one of the hardest things to do in communication, is to not take the bait when that person says, oh, really? You want to just take a pause? God, you're so sensitive. Or you always make it about you. They are hurling, again, towards you threats that make you want to defend yourself. So again, it's counterintuitive for you to say, again, not engaging with what they're actually saying, but addressing the container. Again, I think things are getting really heated. I don't want to be spoken to that way. I'm sure you don't. Let's just put a pin in this. And they might keep going and they might, and you have to keep reiterating that this is not conducive to a healthy conversation. This can also apply if you are not the aggressor. You are the person who has a very aggressive person that you're communicating with. This can feel like I will disassociate, I will hide out, I will try to make a joke. I will appease. I will try to say whatever I need to say to get the fuck out of this situation. And the other person's trying to get a rise out of you. They're like, how can you not want to fight back? And it's this power struggle, again, that's rooted in how we defend ourselves. If you are getting emotionally flooded by that other person, this is, again, an opportunity to say, I think things have gone a bit off the rails or things are getting more elevated or... I'm losing my ability to really retain what you're sharing with me, so I think we need to put a pin in this, or can we circle back in one hour? And really starting to be respectful of how that other person receives information. Most of the time in intimate partnerships, there's one who's the chihuahua and there's one who's the mastiff. <laughs> you know, There's one who wants to yell and scream and get the rise. And then there's one who is passive, doesn't communicate about their feelings, and likes to shut down. Opposites attract. And there, there's lots of reasons for this, but we don't need to get into that. But if you are the person in this dynamic who is getting like, this is too much, I'm feeling so unsafe that I'm not able to communicate, again, taking a deep breath, speaking very slowly, but saying, I'm not able to continue 
to really give you what you deserve in this conversation or I'm not able to retain what you're telling me and I want I want to but this is feeling a little too much for me I need to take like a 30 minute break now it can also be really helpful if the two of you whether this is siblings parental relationships whatever can have conversations about these dynamics outside of the current disruptive issue that you're having. When you have downtime, when things are going really copacetic, everything's just fine, to say then like, hey, I've noticed some things that happen when we argue and here's what's happening for me, right? Where there's not a charge immediately around who didn't pay the bill, who left their shoes out or didn't organize the pantry the right way. Shut it down if it gets heated and go process alone, but you need to take some time to process it. I found this out early on. Mr. Smith and I would get, again, like I mentioned, in these exclusive fights, and we learned very early on that we had to shut it down real quick or we would say some unbelievably acerbic and painful things to one another. What that usually looked like was one of us saying, we need a break. We need to not look at each other. We need to not talk to each other. And it roughly was about two hours that we needed. And the the trajectory was this, where at first when we would be alone thinking about it, we'd be like, fuck him, fuck her. She was like, you're still in that real heated anger place. And then it starts to subside. With time, you allow it to come down a little bit. And then you're able to, well, maybe I could have said this better or She does have a point about this. And then you're able to rationally observe your behavior as well instead of only acting and reacting from defense. I remember a time decades ago, this was before we were even married, and I was furious with him. It was something like he had said he was going to pick me up at a specific time and didn't do it and kind of acted like it was no big deal. Something like that where I counted on him for something. And when I saw him, (laughs) I literally said to him in the calmest voice I could say, I am incredibly angry with you. I am so upset. I cannot even look at you. I need to have time before we converse about this. And that was sort of a new way, like that kind of shifted things where we went, okay, we need to put a pin in it if it goes off the rails so that we can come back and communicate effectively. Number eight, declare the do-over. This is a huge one. So let's say you did not control your tone of voice. It did go off the rails. And you still feel very strongly about what you shared, but you know you've got some cleanup to do about how you said it. Most of the time, it's not an issue with what you feel, what you think, your stances, your opinions. The problem is how you conveyed those opinions. So it can be incredibly useful and productive to come back later, text a person, email, call them and say, hey, listen, I'm not really feeling very settled about our last conversation. And I still feel very strongly about the stuff that we talked about, but I should not have said it in that way. You didn't deserve to be spoken to in that manner. I'd love to try again. Or, hey, can we revisit what we were chatting about the other day? Can we just have a do-over? I want to share with you in a way that you can actually hear me, and I'm sure you want the same in return. What do you think? 
I think that there's this myth out there that if we didn't speak up about something, if we didn't handle things flawlessly, that it's just fucking done. Like you missed your chance. Sorry, you fucked up. No, you can always circle back. And I like to call this declaring the do-over. And that maybe that's even something that you use with your kid, with your parent, with your sibling, whoever. And you say, why don't we have this thing where if something doesn't go well in a conversation, one of us can declare the do-over. And what that means then is for each of us to show up and commit to talking about this issue in a different way than we have in the past. So maybe you set up a, some rules like, okay, nobody interrupts or you get five minutes and then when the buzzer goes, then it's my turn. And the only job for the person listening is to genuinely hear, to really think about what must, must that be like to be in that person's shoes. You don't have to agree, but it will be really helpful for you if you at least understand them, understand where they're coming from. Finally, number nine, ask yourself, how would I respond if I was on the receiving end of me? So let's say you could watch yourself on a television screen. Would you be like, yeah, if I was my partner, if I was my kid or my mom, I'd be like, I can really hear what you're saying. I can't wait to be what you need. <laughs> or would you be like, this bitch is crazy. I'm getting out of here as soon as I fucking can. And this is where that counterintuitive piece comes in because you feel so vindicated, so validated in your anger, in your fury, or in your stonewalling, in your shutting down, making it so that you're giving someone the silent treatment which is unbelievably painful, how would you respond if you had something that you really wanted somebody to work on for you or that had merit and value to you and the other person responded the way you did? How would you feel? We have to be the people that we want to attract. We can't just demand excellence from everyone else in our life and not rise to that occasion. We have to examine our own behavior and we have to learn how to be better and then actually do it. Let's review really quickly nine ways to control your tone of voice and communicate a little bit more effectively. Number one, take deep breaths. Count to five before responding or just one huge deep breath. Number two, speak slowly. This can also be helpful if you tend to shut down. You don't have to go fast. You don't have to mimic the pace of the other person. Speaking slowly, more times than not, help progress the conversation in the right direction. Number three, acknowledge where you are emotionally and ask for what you need. I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm a little flooded here. This is a little too much. Or I need a little bit of a break. I'm happy to come back to this, but I need to take a break. Asking for what you need. Number four, you can clench or unclench the fists or the entire body or parts of the body, but make sure you release. So clenching and releasing, designed specifically to release the anxiety that is conjured up during these altercations. Practice your phrases and responses in the mirror as if you had to deliver them. Practice the tone of voice. Practice your inflection. If you tend to be sarcastic or passive aggressive, really try delivering those words in a softer, kinder way or as you would talk to a child or your favorite niece or nephew. 
You have to practice. You have to rehearse these phrases. Number six, develop a code with the other person. Maybe it's a code phrase. Maybe it's something that you do with your hands, like a timeout symbol. Maybe it's a stuffed animal that you use. But we're doing something, a pattern disruptor, something to change how you normally operate. Number seven, shut it down. If it gets too heated, go process alone and don't take the bait. Don't let them bait you back into those old paradigms, the ways that you've communicated forever that does not work. Number eight, declare that do-over. Circle back. Revisit. Ask if we can converse about that again and say, I'd like this to go differently this time. And then be clear about what those parameters, what those guardrails are going to be. And finally, number nine, ask yourself, how would I respond if I was on the receiving end of me? And get really clear about, am I communicating in a way where I can actually be heard? Or am I pushing everybody away simply by how righteous I feel or by how stoic I am, by shutting everybody out? How would I feel if I was on the receiving end of me? There you have it, my friends, nine ways to control your tone of voice and communicate a little bit more effectively. I would love for you to focus on just a couple of these. Which ones will really make a marked difference for you in your interpersonal relationships with your family and your workplace? Decide on what those are and make a commitment to actually using them. Come hang out with me on Instagram. You can find me under the handle Hey Amy Green Smith, and let me know what was your biggest takeaway from this particular episode. I'd love to know. I always post a meme for each episode. So just find that and let me know what hit home for you. And I believe that that is it. I will see you around these parts next week. And please remember, you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.